Hi, this is Jim Lobato, and I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You are listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you would have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with your sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities, and then to align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. Enjoy the program. Welcome to BizTalk with Jim Labato, a full hour of insight, discussion, and opinion on you, your career, and your business. We tackle your frustrations, your hopes, and even get to some of your dreams. The office is now open. Here's your BizTalk host, Jim Labato, on News Radio 1040 WHO. Welcome to BizTalk. I'm your host, Jim Labato. In addition to joining you every week here on BizTalk, I'm the president and founder of a company called The Performance Group. Our business is helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and to align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. Welcome to our program tonight. I heard a statistic today, I'll pass along to you, given given the weather, the amount of water you're supposed to consume in a day is uh, take half your body weight and take that in ounces, and that's the amount of water you're supposed to consume in a day. So if you're out working, even if you're just uh, occasionally being out in this weather, uh, take appropriate precautions. I was thinking about our program tonight, and the key question is, you know, how important is it uh, to say the right things at the right time. And, of course, your answer, well, it's extremely important. Well, if that's true, then why don't we spend more time crafting the messages that we're sending? I was in a conversation, and a person said, uh, well, you know, Sam over there is bound by an oath to do and say the right things because he's a lawyer, and, you know, he's a professional and he's bound by that oath to do and say the right things. And I thought that was interesting. The conversation was centered around uh, lawyers being professional in, as a profession. And I thought, well, that's true. Obviously, we go to school and we're licensed and to be a lawyer. We expect our lawyers uh, to be professional and to know their craft. And at the same time, in the sales world, would people make the same comment to us? In other words, are we bound by oath and are we licensed to do and say the right things? And, and unfortunately, probably most salespeople don't think about that because you accidentally end up in sales. And we tend to copy the things that other people do. And sometimes the things that other people do aren't the appropriate things. It's only been recently that there have been college courses and even degrees or diplomas issued in sales and there is a sales profession, but do people look at it as being professional? And that really depends on the person, how they approach their career. And I was doing some research for another project I'm working on. Actually, I was in a bookstore and because I'm writing the, the Turbulent Time Success Manual. And I was in a bookstore today just looking at books and, and recognized how many books out there, like has to be 95 99% of the books are some type of uh, either fiction or some type of entertainment. 
Uh, there's very few business books when you look at the total population of what's published. But more importantly, uh, only 15%, 15% of Americans read a book on a regular basis. One-third of the high school graduates never read a book uh, the rest of their lives after they graduate high school. 42% of college graduates never read another book after they graduate college. 80% of U.S. families don't buy or read a, uh, did not buy or read a book last year. And 70% of adults have not been in a bookstore in the last five years. I was thinking about this because someone asked me the other day, why do you have a lot of authors on the air? Why don't you interview just some regular folks? And we do that. I don't know what you call regular folks. I guess people who have written a book, but maybe have some expertise. And if you go back and look at our podcast on biztalkradioshow.com, you'll find some of those people out there. Uh, my preference is talking to people who have written a book because that means that they've taken the time to organize their thoughts. Now, 15% of you are reading books, and I, I appreciate that. The other 85% probably don't understand the complexity behind writing a book. It is extremely difficult to organize your thoughts and to say the right things. And I have found that our guests who take the time to organize their thoughts and put them down on paper is generally the collective wisdom of their career or their experiences or a combination of both. And we can share in that collective wisdom that they've organized and put down on paper. And Jim Rohn, the motivational speaker, made a comment one time that, you know, if you want to change your life, just read a book a week. And if you want to be an expert in any particular field, he said, just, you know, read a book a month for the next two years in your chosen field, and you can become an expert. So the challenge is for you listening tonight, what's the last book that you've read? And and I read a lot of books. I'm, I'm obviously, part of this job requires that I get prepared and read the books that the author sent us. But beyond that, I read books beside that. And says, well, someone says, how do you read so many books? And I said, well, I don't read them, you know, uh, cover to cover. <laughs> Which may sound like, well, you can get through a lot if you're not reading cover to cover. But if you read enough, you can start spotting that there are very few good books out there, but there are good chapters in books. And at this point, I can recognize when it's not a good chapter and just skip over it. So I read a lot of books. I don't read them cover to cover. Uh, there's few that I do read cover to cover, and uh, because there's just they're just loaded with uh, good chapters. And so tonight, it's one of the few books that I've actually read cover to cover. Now, how to Say It, Business to Business Selling with Jeffrey James is our guest tonight. Power Words and Strategies from the World's Top Sales Experts. And I know from, um, if you were to talk to people in my organization, they will tell you that I really spend a lot of time hammering on the words, making sure the words are right. How do you say it and make sure that they're said right? And sometimes I drive people in my organization crazy but in business today, you have a very short window to make a point and to say something and to say it. And so and able to say it well and say it quickly and make a point and move on is a valuable asset to have. And if you've not read a book this year, I would challenge you to go pick up this one because it's just not about saying it well, but it's also other aspects in your business career. So we're going to be talking with Jeffrey James. Before we get to that, a couple resources. If you're not reading, maybe you can listen. And that's at our podcast. Go out to biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. And all of our podcasts from the previous shows are available. We've made the website easier to navigate. I think you'll find it enjoyable. You can go out to our podcast, and there's a quick sort. You can just th look through the topics and then listen on online, or you can actually download it. You can subscribe 
by going to iTunes and subscribing to biztalkradioshow.com. Also out there is Sales Quick Coach, which are two-minute timeouts to improve your performance. If you're a sales professional, that's an email we send out. If you sign up for it, we post one of those once a month on our website. But if you want to receive it weekly on a sales tip, I would suggest you go there. And for those of you that are hiring managers, we have started a blog called Hire the Best. That's also available at biztalkradioshow.com. Key insights on hiring top sales professionals. So there's some resources that are available to you. If you just take the time to go out to biztalkradioshow.com. Okay, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Jeffrey James. And we're going to be talking about uh, his new book, How to Say It, Business to Business Selling. You're listening to BizTalk on News Radio 1040. WHO. Hey, Hawkeye fans, rally around WHO Radio. In football, in the stands, during the game, you can be sure that at least 27 times you are perfectly capable of taking the life of a fellow human being. Preferably a stranger. In football, the object is for the quarterback, otherwise known as the field general, to be on target with his aerial assault, riddling the defense by hitting his receivers with deadly accuracy in spite of the blitz, even if he has to use the shotgun. With short bullet passes and long bombs, he marches his troops into enemy territory, balancing this aerial assault with a sustained ground attack which punches holes in the forward wall of the enemy's defensive line. can feel it in the air already. The Iowa Hawkeyes are coming. Are you ready? We are on News Radio 1040 WHO. You're on Biz Talk with Jim Labato on News Radio 1040 WHO. Thanks for tuning in to Biz Talk. You know, our guest is uh, Jeffrey James, and we're talking to, about his new book, uh, How to Say It Well, Business to Business, business, to business Selling. And, and prior to, you know, coming into this uh, part of the show, if you were listening, there, there was that break there where we were promoing um, the Iowa Hawkeyes football broadcast coming up, which you can hear every Saturday here on WHO. More importantly, George Carlin, if you didn't catch it, was the comedian speaking about football. And he's hilarious if you listen to that monologue. My son is aspiring comic. And I do know this about comics. They will spend hours upon hours making sure the words are right. And then they go out and they test it. I heard George Carlin several times in Davenport, Iowa. And one of the reasons I was able to hear him in Davenport, Iowa, because that's where he started out his tours. Before he hit Chicago, New York, or L.A., or major markets, he would come to what's considered secondary markets. At the time, it was Davenport, Iowa. And he would practice the new material. Well, not practice. He'd actually practice before he got there. But then he'd test it on live audience. And, and of course, what he was looking for is what worked and what didn't work. How about you? How about you as a sales professional? Are you practicing what you say and how you say it? Jeffrey James writes the sales source column for Inc.com the world's most visited sales-oriented blog, which features the best ideas from dozens of sales experts and executives, along with James's unique take on the business world. In addition, Jeffrey James has published hundreds of articles in dozens of national magazines, including the Men's Health, Wired, Brand Week, Technology Marketing, and Selling Power Magazine. Jeffrey's new, newly published book, Business to Business Selling, Power Words and Strategies from the World's Top Sales Experts. Jeffrey, welcome to the program. 
Well, thank you for having me, and thanks for the very kind words about my book. <laughs> You're welcome. Well they, well, they deserve kind words. I was a little surprised. Most of my um, guests come from our producer, uh, Sarah, really doesn't like it when I travel because I, I hang out in airport bookstores. And I, I look at all the new titles out there, and this one caught my eye, How to Say It, uh, Business to Business Selling. And I, I looked at the title, and the title sells books. That's a good one. And then I, I said, hey, go research this and see if this is something we should be talking about. And then, of course, we got your book, and you're here. But I was surprised. It's just not only on how to say it, but you spend some time in your book talking about the sales pipeline, how to keep it full, how to develop B2B opportunities. What I tried to do was create an overview of the entire business-to-business selling environment from the, really from the beginning of figuring out how the words you're saying to yourself about selling, which turns out is hugely important, all the way down to once you've got a sales process in place, you've got all the pieces going out of, you know, hone the different elements of it. But rather than trying to draw on my own experience, this is really, what I did is I talked to and interviewed and was coached by some of the smartest people in the sales training world, and I just tried to find what I thought was their best material and their best thoughts and then put them all into a, a book with kind of an overview. Here's how you do a cold call. If you're doing cold, here's how you get a referral. Here's how you, uh, here's how you close a deal. Here's how you negotiate. Here's how you create sales partnerships. Drawing on the expertise of people who have specialized in those areas. Uh, And I think that – so it's an overview of the whole business-to-business process with an emphasis on what you say in practical applications so that uh, it's just easier for people to understand uh, how to become successful in this rapidly growing part of the sales field. Why is it more difficult or maybe unique the fact you do B2B sales versus almost any other type of sales? Well, there's some fairly significant differences between business-to-business selling and uh, business-to-consumer selling, sometimes called B2C. Uh, In business-to-business selling, you are actually being asked to be a manager for the customer. Think of it this way. Every customer could – anything you sell to to a business, they could do it themselves. Let's say you're selling them a component or a computer chip. They could start their own computer chip company. They could start their own raw materials company. They could start their own mining company. Uh, they could, on the other end, they could start their own delivery company. Uh, they could hire people to deliver things and carry them around to full. Uh, what a company's doing when they look when they look at the, what they buy and the services that they buy and the products that they buy is they're looking for a critical piece of their business that they don't have to worry about. They're outsourcing that function of the business to somebody else. And the person who's responsible for making sure that, that critical part of the business happens on time, on budget, absolutely reliable, reliable, is the salesperson. This is a very different role than than selling an automobile or selling a uh, a car, a, a house, or a boat, or or um, consumer electronics. It, it's a different relationship because you're really talking about owning a critical part of the customer's business. So it requires different skills. The stakes are higher. The dollar amount is can be huge. Not an all unusual to see, you know, multi-million dollar deals in this field. Um, so it really is different. And I think it's kind of doing people a disservice to talk about sales as a, you know, everything from carnival barking to cutting up, you know, a, a fifty million dollar ongoing relationship between two, two huge companies. I mean, there's a huge difference between those two those two roles, and it's silly to talk about them as if they're the same. Jeffrey, in your book, you give a very 
um, what I thought a simple but yet effective model in terms of measuring the effectiveness of uh, your message, where you talk about the abstract versus the concrete and the emotional versus intellectual, that graph. Uh, share with our audience that measurement in terms of measuring the messages that they're trying to write and what they're trying to deliver to the marketplace. The biggest problem that people have when they talk about this, this is fairly I, – I rewrite a lot of sales messages. People who subscribe to my newsletter or people who read the book send me their uh, sales messages and ask me to critique them, and oftentimes I just find it's easier just to rewrite them. The most common problem that people have in sales messages is the use of abstract terms um, like, uh, oh, massive increase in productivity or um, or adjectives that really don't mean anything like state-of-the-art, which doesn't, you know, that just doesn't mean anything. It just means good. And so when you take out all that stuff, oftentimes you, you end up, you, you find out there's not a whole lot there because they're missing the point. And, uh, and that's because they're talking in terms of abstractions rather than in terms of what's concrete. Saving an average of 25% in inventory costs, that's concrete. So when you come in with a sales message that says something like that, people start asking, well, how do you do that? Because it's not just a claim, it's not just a vague, it's concrete. It's pinning it down to an actual, actual event. Now, the other piece is that people tend to write in um, unemotional terms or in fake emotional terms. Um, fake emotional terms are, would, would be things like calling something exciting, an exciting new product. The minute you call something exciting, it's not exciting. But saying that the product, you know, they're saying that the product actually can and showing how a product actually can change a business, that's exciting. So it's you not you don't you, it's kind of like the old thing in um, that maybe your teacher might have told you in school when you were writing. It says you have to show, not tell. And so a lot of sales writing tends to tends to get into being telly and not really talking about what what the real impact of what it is that you're doing uh, can be on the customer. Jeffrey, are, are you surprised by this? Are you surprised that when people send you in their messaging that it's really off target? And, and maybe where I'm going with that is because people probably listening are saying, well, it's easy for Jeffrey to do this because he writes for a living. So are you surprised that it, that uh, some of the message you're coming to you is way off base? And you yes. find yourself... Let me, tell you, let me tell you why, Jim, why I'm so surprised. A lot of the time I'll get these exciting, interesting letters where they'll, people will tell me about oh, what they're doing and what's happening in their career, and then they'll say, and I wrote this sales message I'd like you to take, take a look at, and all of a sudden they're, t they're writing like Dilbert's pointy-head boss in the comic strips. And yet the excitement and the passion and the interest is there... It's just when they think they're writing their sales message, all of a sudden they turn it off. The easiest way to write a good sales message is just pretend you're talking to your best friend about what you do or what you're selling. It's, it's, you use the words that you'd use talking to a normal human being. You don't try to sound businesslike. You don't try to sound important. You don't try to sound impressive. You just say, this is what we do. Or maybe you even say, this is what happened when I sold the company this product. Oh, they, this is actually what happened. They we're able to open up a new market. Um, So-and-so was able to retire with, as a millionaire. You know, just whatever the story is or whatever the feeling is or whatever it is that happens, you have to draw on what you are as an individual 
and not try to be Mr. Business or Mr. Sales. And when people can tap into the actual passion that they have as individuals, then they come up with very good sales messages. But yeah, it does surprise me that people don't map or don't use the tools that they have every moment that they use every day. They just all of a sudden turn it off when they're when they're when they're trying to write write something. It's it's very funny and very odd. Yeah, you bring back uh, at least an interesting uh, thing to happen in our company meeting last Friday. I said, well, the net effect we have, and I, I said, give an example. One of our clients is he goes on vacation now once a quarter. And then the account representative who handles that account said, well, Jim, more importantly than that, when he goes on vacation once a quarter now, he doesn't work on his business. And I said, that's what we're selling. I said, the opportunity for people to go on vacation who normally couldn't take vacation. <laughs> now, that's not on our website anywhere, but maybe it should be. So Yeah, it's, it's funny how those things come out when you, when you really talk about uh, and think about yourself as an individual and uh, the people you're selling to as individuals. And um, one of the things, I'm a big believer that um, you have to really be very authentic uh, to be effective in sales. And unfortunately, a lot of um, old-style selling techniques teach people to be inauthentic. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't, for example, if you're doing cold calling, which is a very difficult thing to do, and but it can be very fun, believe it or not. But if you're doing that, you need a script, but you have to incorporate the script into into what you're yeah, – first of all, it has to be a really, really great script, and you have to do it, rehearse it so many times that it seems natural. Your example of the late George Carlin is a, is a perfect example is that he would – you know, he had, was a natural deliverer, but he would have to work through the material, and it was new every time he said it. Great cold callers have a script, but every time they start talking to someone, it sounds like it's coming straight out of their mouth for the first time with all the inspiration and thought and, and excitement that they would have the first time they would say it, as if it suddenly came as an epiphany that what they're, what they're selling you know, actually can do this incredible thing. Um, and So a, a lot of good sales technique when it comes to how to say it has to do with tapping into who you are as an individual and being able to communicate that in a regular fashion, even under conditions that are perhaps not as conducive as you might want to uh, that kind of passion and that kind of interest. Before we move on, the one piece of advice you give the audience on getting their messaging right would be what? Keep it simple and keep it short. Um, you should be able to explain what you what your company does and within one sentence, short sentence. My company helps people do this with an average return on investment of this. It's got to be something like that, and it has to and you need to practice and come up with something that is that short. People do not have the patience to listen to. I, I Sometimes if you get on YouTube, you can see people doing so-called elevator pitches, and they will go on literally for three or four minutes, which is crazy. You have most 10 seconds to interest people nowadays. And so you need to be able to get it out, kind of what's the value of what you're offering. Within enough, within 10 seconds, one sentence. And then your, the next sentence has to be your differentiator, why you're different and wh how you do it and why it's interest or, you know, how you accomplish it, something that gets the person interested. So the big problem with sales messages is they tend to be too long, and there's not a sales message in the world that I've seen that can't be shortened and made more concise and made more uh, 
and give it more punch. And that's really what the, my best advice is, make it short, make it sweet, and give it punch. Our guest is Jeffrey Jaynes. We're talking about his latest book, How to Say It, Business to Business Selling, Power Words and Strategies from the World's Top Sales Experts. When we come back, we'll talk to Jeffrey about getting referrals and how to motivate yourself to sell. Talk about profitable listening. This is Biz Talk with Jim Lebato on News Radio 1040 WHO. Welcome to Biz Talk. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Our guest is Jeffrey James. We're talking about uh, his latest book, How to Say It Business to Business Selling, and the, the power words and strategies from the world's top sales experts. Looking at your book, and like we said this going into this, that um, there's more to this book than just how to write it and how to say it. And I was particularly interested in your, in your section on uh, getting referrals, especially B2B referrals. Man, if you can get those, that's that's uh, like golden. So share with our audience your insight on that. The big myth about referrals is that you can get them either when the customer first decides to buy or even worse, when the customer or the prospect decides not to buy. Um Referrals like that are worse than useless um, because you haven't earned the customer's trust. First, let's walk back a little bit. Why are referrals valuable? It's because the referrer, the person who's referring, has said, you, the salesperson, can be trusted. That's why the best referrals are when an existing customer calls a prospect, says, you've got to talk to Jim. You've got to talk to this guy. He's got something that you need. When that happens, when you contact that prospect who's been pre-contacted by another existing customer, that prospect is already disposed to trust you, and you don't have to go through the complicated process of proving that you're someone worth doing business with, someone who's worth investing time in, someone who's worth um, who could be responsible for part of their business. The only way that that happens, because your existing customer is putting their reputation with their friend or their colleague on the line to recommend you. The only way that happens if, is if customer, the original customer trusts you, and that only happens if the customer is delighted and happy with something you've provided. So the time to ask for a referral is after the product has been delivered and after you've worked with that customer for a while. Now, in the book I explained, you can pre-position yourself at the point of sale so that you have so that when you earn the right to ask for a referral you get a referral and a good one or more than one referral but you asking at the point of sale for the referral is a bad idea because you have not earned trust therefore a referral does not get communicated with trust because the person is not going to put their their reputation on the line to recommend you um, the real expert on uh, on referrals is someone named uh, Joanne Black, who I that section on referrals is it's from her writing. I think she, I, I, I can't remember right off the off the top of my head the um, the name of her her book, which is an excellent book. But Joanne Black, you, you look her up on the web; she's got a lot of great information on referrals and how to do that. And uh, basically, I'm just kind of channeling her when I talk about referrals. Who are some of the experts? you tapped into put your collection of thoughts together on B2B selling for this book? Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of the ones that were the most influential on me. Uh, I'd have to say probably Linda Richardson, who founded Richardson, was uh, was a big influence on closing, on, on the closing aspect of, of selling. 
and there was a lot of motivational speakers that were that were uh, influential in the part about what you say to yourself, how you deal with rejection, and how you deal with uh, kind of the ins and outs of uh, outs of selling. Uh, it's my feeling that uh, almost every sales trainer I've talked to can add value to to companies, and, and there all the people who I write about in there. Uh, were kind enough to, you know, approve my use of, of, of what they had to say. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. But the truth is, I've at this point probably interviewed good, a good hundred sales trainers and sales experts, and probably, you know, five or six hundred sales executives. And so sometimes it's hard for me to remember exactly who gave each piece of advice. But um, what I try to do is distill it all down to something that can be that is simple and actionable. And I try to do that in the book. And I do that in the blog as well. The book that Jeffrey's talking about is How to Say It, Business to Business Selling. Also in in your book, Jeffrey, you refer to different ways to either convert leads or to do other prospecting techniques. And you cover some of the basics, which I I think are great, but unique approaches to those. Uh, Talk to our audience about uh, uh, using voicemail, because it seems like that's all you spend most of your time talking today is their voicemail. The trick about voicemail is to never wing it. You need um, – actually, it walks through in the book. I won't walk through it here, but it walks through a, a specific script, um, which came from another sales expert named Wendy Weiss, who uh, I believe she's called – she calls herself, and she's referred to sometimes as the queen of cold calling. And she originally started uh, with cold calling courses for women who, for some reason, have less of a uh, propensity to take cold calling jobs. But the technique in, 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 in terms of, of selling by voicemail is to, is to have a example, is, is, is a little bit different than a regular cold call. You have to be a little more clipped. But most importantly, you have to re- say who you are, and then you repeat your number very slowly, like five, 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 one, two, one, two. And what amazingly Many people who leave voicemail messages leave a voicemail message that they can't, that where the person can't actually hear the number. You'd be amazed at how common this is. It's common amongst, in business in general, it's definitely common among salespeople. And it's because they kind of just want to get, you know, they, they talk kind of like I'm talking very quickly. But when you're leaving a voicemail, you have to be even more concise and you have to be very, very careful to enunciate carefully. And then there's different messages that you do in successive calls. Like you do like five, three calls, and you leave a slightly different message each time. So there's a set of techniques in the book that explains how to use that as a tool. I will say this, Proviso, Jim, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but there's a trend in many businesses now to move away from voicemail, let alone taking calls. And what you're seeing in, in companies that have a high population of what we call Generation Y or Millennials, is that they're doing almost all their intercommunication now with either texts or, or email. And so the funny thing about voicemail is it may, may be, kind of become like faxing. It may become something that's still there but not nearly as important as it was, uh, was some years ago. Yeah. The, uh, so there's got to be new sets of skills. Actually, that's a great idea for a blog post is how to sell by texting. Now that I think about it, that's a real cool idea. Well, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I was thinking about this the other day that uh, uh, we've we've done away with our fax number, and because we did away with our fax machine, and no one ever asked for it anymore. And 
and you have DocuSign now, which you can sign documents via Internet. Uh, we, we were in a conversation the other day, and I, I talked to one of my associates and says, what did you call him? Oh, yeah, I got their voicemail. I says, you got a cell phone? Yep. Text them. I said, I'll guarantee you that the reason you get a response or you got his voicemail is because he's on the phone. He was traveling. Sure enough, they texted. The guy texted back. Now, maybe it's not a good idea if they're driving, but it's just, it doesn't dawn on us that that, that, well, that next avenue may be just to text people on their cell phones. Answering the phone isn't a great idea and, and talking necessarily while you're driving either. <laughs> That's true. So, so, yeah, but that problem aside, um, it's going to be interesting to see how people deal with getting too many texts. But the, the thing about texting is that it's it's not intrusive in the same way that a, um, that a voicemail, that a telephone call is, nor is it as time-consuming as listening to voicemail. If you think about it, if you've got 20 voicemails, you're talking a good 20 minutes to monkey around and write down numbers and blah, 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 blah. With text, you just skim through with your finger and you see what's, what the person said. You read, you read it, boom, 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 boom. It's going to take you, what, you know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds to see who, and then you pick, okay, I'll respond to this one, and you, and you tap in something really quick. So it's a really different environment, and I think there's going to be some interesting work ahead on how to use texting in sales environments. In fact, I haven't seen anyone really talk about that yet. So um, I'm glad we had this conversation because it just reminds me that that's a, a great I- idea for a blog topic. And, and where do you do you feel that uh, social media comes into your messaging and filling your pipeline, in your opinion? I think social media tends to be a little overrated, um, be, n- not because it's not useful. It is very useful, like to look at people up on LinkedIn. But, I mean, there's there's friends and there's people you've done business with, and then there's people who are on your LinkedIn network. They're, they're really – there may be some overlap, one of like vent diagrams, but the truth is that the people who you know who will take who will take your call or call you back if you leave a voicemail message or if you text them call me they'll call you there are people who you can count on who are really part of your network who really know who you are and who really trust you and that's really where your power base as a salesperson your power base as a business person lies it doesn't lie in the fact you've got you know as i do i have 10,000 twitter followers but you know, not, none of them are going to, you know, uh, I mean, they're going to listen, read what I write, but they're not, you know, they're not necessarily, I can't consider them friends. I can't, couldn't count on them in a pinch if there was something going on. But on the other hand, I've got a list of about 20 people who I've worked with in the past who I just know are on the line and I do anything for them and they do anything for me. That's my real network. That's my real network. We're talking to Jeffrey James and we're talking about his latest book, How to Say It. Business to business selling. When we come back, we'll ask Jeffrey his insight on some of the biggest challenges facing sales professionals today. Boy, are you going to be ready for a new week. This is Biz Talk with Jim Lebato on News Radio 1040 WHO. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You're listening to Biz Talk. Our guest is Jeffrey James. His book is How to Say It. Business to Business Selling, Power Words and Strategies from the World's Top Sales Experts. Jeffrey, a blog called SalesSource, and that's in Inc.com, is that correct? Yes, Inc.com, like the magazine. Okay, and uh, are there other blogs that you write? Nope, that's the only one. That's the one, okay. You have a lot of chance then, because of that blogging and who you talk to, 
give us the insight. I'm going to ask you just a couple questions here. Number one, biggest challenge facing sales professionals today, in your opinion? I think it's the growing demand for professionalism in selling. Uh, you actually referred to this at the, at the beginning. Is that because people are asking their salespeople to take on more responsibility, to become more like a manager, that puts more burden on the salesperson to have a higher level of business acumen and a higher level of understanding of their industry uh, so that they can fulfill that role. And uh, that requires uh, more training. It requires uh, sometimes more experience, and it requires a, it really it, you have to bring your game up to a, a higher level than where it was even just uh, five years ago. Biggest challenge in facing the sales leaders who are leading the salespeople? Well, there's the, the obvious one? challenges related to uh, you know, the economy where a lot of money's locked up because people aren't, you know, the demand engine hasn't, isn't pulling through, uh, you know, a lot of economic activity. So there's a lot of uh, relative to that, and that's an ongoing problem. But outside of that, I think the big challenge is hiring people who are more appropriate for the kind of sales jobs that they have, and also segmenting sales jobs into, uh, in, into areas of expertise. As professionals are usually not jacks of all trades, and a lot of times we ask salespeople to do everything from lead nurturing all the way to relationship management, maybe with a split between hunter and farmer. But actually, there's a lot of variation in the kinds of selling environments and a lot of uh, personalities that work well in some environments and don't work well in other environments. And so the challenge of sales management is to match uh, talented people up with the right job. And, um, and unfortunately, even a very talented salesperson put in the wrong job will not do very well. And that's just a fact. But So you have to really pick your people and, and pick out the jobs that you put them in. Biggest misperception about selling B2B today? That it's um, that it's difficult. It is challenging in the sense that it requires professionalism. But if you understand the way the process works, it's not particularly difficult. Um, it, it is. It, there are. It's an understandable relation. You're working with a very high level person. The person you're selling to is knowledgeable. They understand things. Um, the, it, it's. It, you don't have to educate them about their business. You don't have to educate them about. It's it, it's it's very collegial, and once once you get it, it becomes it becomes kind of like you know just regular business meetings and meeting with people and trying to figure out how to get things done, and that's not that difficult really, it really isn't. We call you ninety days from now and get an update just on what you've been doing. What are you excited about? Well, actually, I may have a um, a new book coming out. And so I expect for 90 days I'll know who my publisher will be. <laughs> so probably that's what I'm most excited about. But it's a, a book of kind of quick tips uh, for general business situations, like how to be, you know, how to be a great employee, and what does every boss expect from you, um, how to do a, how you know, eight rules for doing quick for doing effective negotiating, and just real quick little snippets of information that you can absorb very quickly to help you through some of the daily tasks and daily challenges of the work environment. What do you think the key to your success in getting people to follow the blogs and the things that you write about? You've been really successful at it. I think it's been because, I, um, because I'm an advocate for sales and salespeople, and I think people realize that I'm, the people that do this for a living 
and the people who uh, must sell for a living, including CEOs and entrepreneurs, as well as professional salespeople, uh, understand that I'm on their side. And, and also, I'm not selling them anything. I don't do any sales training. I don't do speeches. All I do is provide content, and I draw on the content of the best experts. And that makes me different than most other sales blogs or most other sales information sources out there. Is there one question tonight we should have asked you that we didn't? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I found what you, your remarks extremely intriguing, and uh, and I'm, I want to learn. I'm, I'm planning on learning more about the kinds of uh, work that you're doing. Uh, so, thank you. The question is maybe you know that I should ask you is when when, when can we talk again, and how <laughs> how do I learn more? Well, uh, I'm gonna before I answer that, let's let's let the audience know if they want to know uh, more about the book or more about your blog. Where do they go in terms of learning more about you? The easiest way is just to uh, go to jeffreyjames.com. That's Jeffrey with a G, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-J-A-M-E-S.com, which has links to the book, has links to the blog, um, and has links to my, my newsletter, which basically you join the newsletter and on, I rewrite your sales messages. <laughs> kind of the way it works. Um, and, I, you know, I send updates on what I posted on the blog. So and for our audience, biztalkradioshow.com is the website. As soon as we get the podcast of tonight's program up there, we'll have a link to Jeffrey's website as well as a link to his book where you can buy it directly from Amazon.com. So that's how people get a hold of us, and that's how they learn what we do. It's at biztalkradioshow.com. Jeffrey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for being on the program. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Our guest tonight has been Jeffrey James, and his book is How to Say It, Business to Business Selling. This or other BizTalk podcasts may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. You can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies and how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net.